Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen we've got you covered multiple ways Alrighty, today is a big old Tuesday. We are continuing on today with our NFL Draft Prospect of the Day. Nice little countdown. We are on day 60 of that 73. I think we messed up some days somewhere. We must have had our math wrong because we are on day 60 of our 73-day NFL countdown, and we are 16 days away from the draft. So we lost like three days somewhere during this three-month process that we've been going on. So we'll have to try and make up some days and some prospects uh, over these next kind of two two and a half weeks. But, you know, we've got time, and, you know, during those kind of week of draft shows, we'll go extra hard on draft coverage. So, uh, But we're looking at Khalil Herbert, running back from Virginia Tech today. This is kind of the last, like, if you had to rank uh, kind of like the top five running back prospects in this draft, Travis Etienne and um, uh, Najee Harris are clear, are clear number one and number two. These UNC running backs, they're good, they're decent, but we really didn't see anything fantastic from them. They were solid runners, but when we watched Travis Etienne, we were like, Gosh, dang, y'all. He's going to be absolutely magnificent in this league. Same thing when we looked at uh, Najee Harris. We are like, gosh, darn. He's going to be absolutely magnificent in this league. These two, Javante Carter and uh, something Williams. I'm blanking on their names. But those UNC quarterbacks, we've already watched them. And there's nothing really special about them. They're solid. They're good running backs. Don't get us wrong. But um, compared to... Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, they, they really don't even compare to kind of what they can do on the field. So we're looking at Khalil Herbert today. And like I said, this is kind of, you know, if you had to rank the top five best running backs in this league or in this draft, Khalil Herbert is in that top five. You got Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, the two running backs from UNC, and then Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech. So we'll see if Herbert is like those UNC quarterback running backs, really good, solid running backs in this league, or if they're going to be A1 tier one running backs when they get to the league year one already making an impact wherever whichever team they go to like Travis Etienne and Najee Harris will so we'll look at him and just kind of see where he falls in great fantastic or just you know real solid good so we'll look at him today obviously still breaking down the NBA from last night doing a money maker for tonight's action and breaking down the stories, and there's some good ones to talk about. So here we go. Let's get right into it. And this one just broke about 20 minutes ago. Uh, the Cardinals are signing James Conner, running back. You know, the Steelers running back. They got rid of him this season, let him go, and the Cardinals pick him up. We talked about this yesterday on the show that, you know, he was there visiting, and they ended up signing him. So a little interesting right here. The Cardinals no longer have Kenyon Drake. That was kind of their feature back last season, and he rushed for about like 900 yards. So he has to kind of is James Conner going to be able to make up that production for kind of the loss of Kenyon Drake for the Cardinals and when we look at what James Car James Conner has really done for his career just a couple of seasons here in Pittsburgh four seasons here with the Steelers and you know his second year 973 yards so he's proven that he can kind of be that thousand yard premier first kind of a one back uh for the Steelers he did it in 2018 with the 973 yards with 
12 touchdowns. That's what we're talking about with 497 receiving yards on top of those 900 rushing yards. So, I mean, all in all, that's 1,400 yards of production from this man. That's exactly what we're talking about. And then just last season, a little bit of a lighter season, 720 yards receiving, 215 yards rushing for just under that kind of 1,000-yard mark of kind of what we want our running back on the field production to look like. We would like you to have at least 1,000 rushing yards alone and then whatever you're doing, catching the ball. But, I mean, if you're passing 1,000 uh, yards of total production, we'll take that absolutely. So they are going to have to see if James Conner can kind of get back to his 2018, his best year form out here because we've seen these last two seasons taking a little bit of a step back here. Uh, 2019 for the Steelers, only 464 rushing yards, and then just last season, 721, like we said. So we'll see how he does. Uh, the Cardinals still have their kind of draft pick from three years ago, Chase Edmonds, and you know, he's nothing too special, too truly special out there. I mean, he only had, what do you have, 200 yards rushing last season? Oh, 448 yards rushing, 400 yards out of the backfield, just kind of complimenting Kenyon Drake. So we'll see if uh, Chase Edmonds is going to get a little bit of a bigger role or if they kind of use James Conner as, you know, the second running back. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. But a little interesting note here that it is only a one-year deal here for James Conner with the Cardinals. So I would say the Cardinals would still have a good possibility of drafting a running back in this year's draft as well. So we'll see what happens. But a one-year deal, they're just kind of saying, hey, let's see what you got. Because, you know, like we said, he is kind of coming off two not good years. So that kind of can explain the one-year contract as well. So we'll see what the Cardinals do with the draft if they kind of go out and get maybe another running back to maybe challenge Chase Edmonds for running back two or maybe even try to be the premier back for James Conner. But uh, the Cardinals have some decent running back weapons. They just have to go and do what they can have proven to do before. So we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, we all know their offense is absolutely fantastic with, you know, Kyler Murray and the receivers and their defense is fantastic. It's really just their running back game, their running game. That's the biggest question mark right now. So we'll see if James Conner can return back to his old form and uh, start having some nice form. 1400 yard production years all righty and then the big story that broke this broke yeah this broke yesterday that's what i thought um long time patriots wide receiver julian edelman announces his retirement originally he was cut the uh the patriots did let him go so there was about a an hour and a half two hour period where like oh my goodness he can go team up with tom brady and get another ring and there was a lot of speculation going on but he kind of nipped that in the bud about two hours later after the patriots released them saying you know what i'm going to hang it up so i mean a wonderful career here for julian edelman multiple super bowl winner um, he's in, he's the second most catches in the playoffs and yards, uh, eight, uh, 118 catches in the playoffs, 1,442 yards in the playoffs at second most. So absolutely great there. He's played in three Super Bowls. He's been on a team with four Super Bowls. He didn't play in that first one, I believe. And, uh, what was it? We'll get there in a second. But, uh, he's played in, uh, every Super Bowl that he's actually played in. He's won, so absolutely clutch as clutch goes, and that just goes that now all that's left to really decide about Julian Edelman is does he belong in the Hall of Fame? And there's a lot of discussion going around, so let's kind of investigate it a little bit deeper, and let's uh, then make our final verdict. So here we go. 
the one thing that Julian Edelman really does have is his playoff runs and just his clutch ability in the Super Bowls and in the playoffs. But before we look at some of his kind of game tape in those big playoff games, let's just quickly go over his career uh, broadly very quickly. So he's got about, uh, what do we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight real good seasons of not being injured, being the primary starter on that team. And uh, he's broken a thousand yards three times. I mean, 1,100 yards in 2019, 1,100 yards in 2016, and a thousand yards in 2013. And that's what we want our receivers to have thousand yard um, seasons. But he's also got, you know, the 972, the 697, 850, 315 yards just last season but he only played six games last season and he had Cam Newton with the quarterback not the greatest and he had to be kind of a premier wide receiver he was probably their best weapon out there and that's kind of why we see the lack of production when he had to go out and be kind of the main receiver for the entire season it didn't really work out too well for him if you can kind of just be you know a little bit of a gadget not too much of a gadget guy out there but you know you know a trickery uh, just kind of putting him in the slot here and there, moving him all around, letting him do a lot of things, passing the ball. We've seen him pass the ball numerous times, punt return, cake return, running out of the backfield, all of that. So that's where he gets kind of some of his production from, of just kind of being a specialty guy out there as well. Uh, but all in all, he ends his career with 6,822 yards and 36 touchdowns. And uh, also, when we kind of look at his catch percentages, that's something that we've been focusing a lot uh, last season of how well or just kind of how often are they, are they good at catching? That's basically what they're saying. How many, uh, how many targets do you have compared to your receptions? What is that number looking like? And he, he's solid here at about like 65 to 69. That's where he basically hovers for his entire career but we never see like 70 plus catch percentage and that's real good in this league and we see you know these big old wide receivers DeAndre Hopkins do it Larry Fitzgerald do it we see these big name a one tier wide receivers have 70 plus catch percentage so there's no reason why Julian Edelman shouldn't have that as well and he never really had it the best season he had was 69.5 69.3 68.5 and that's real good real close to 70 but it's not 70 so maybe a little bit of a knock toward his Hall of Fame kind of uh, resume, if you will. Uh, so that's his base stats right there. 6,822 yards, 36 touchdowns. Now, before we kind of compare that to everybody else in the Hall of Fame, let's see what his kind of big contribution to football was. And that was just being absolutely magnificent and big and clutch in the playoff and Super Bowl game. So we got a little bit of a minute highlight clip putting together his best performances here in the big playoff postseason games. So let's check this out real quick and see what we get. So here we go. The first game up here, the Patriots against the Seahawks. Patriots down three with two minutes left in the game. They're down 24-21. They're at the three-yard line. And who does Brady go to? Julian Edelman, the go-ahead score against the Seahawks. That would prove to be the game-winning touchdown. Yes, sir. 
So absolutely clutch. Nery, here we go in the AFC Championship game against the Steelers. Just kind of getting a nice huge pickup here. Right first drive of the game. Starting off big. Just got them down to the Steelers 25-yard line. Looking to, you know, put the pressure on the Steelers from drive one. That's what he does out here. And then here we go against the Ravens in the playoffs. Down seven in the third quarter. Julian Edelman throws the ball to a wide open wide receiver. Uh, is that Dan Danny Amendola? And then he goes in for the kind of tie score against the Ravens in the playoffs. So once again, absolutely clutch and kind of doing it a little bit of a kind of gadget way being the passer in that scenario. Then here we go against the, the Colts here in the playoffs. Just a catch over the middle. They're up seven, but just get, piling on the score. That's why, you know, Phillip Rivers could never get out of the AFC and get to the Super Bowl because Tom Brady and Julian Edelman were there to always shut him down. All right, here we go in the playoffs against the Texans. They're only up one. Tom Brady goes deep to Julian Edelman, and he catches it and breaks it down to about the 20-yard line. Once again, getting in position to put up points in a playoff postseason game that's what we're talking about clutch always dependable always reliable what else do we get here in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks right over the middle they're down 10 at this point in the fourth quarter. And once again, just moving them past midfield, getting them into prime position to put up some points. That's all you can ask for your wide receivers. Obviously, you know, to score as well, but to get us in that position to score just as good as well. Here we go on that same drive. They're going back to Julian Edelman here in the red zone, trying to split the defenders, getting the ball down to the three-yard line so they can go and put up points. And then probably his most important contribution of all again, the Falcons on that big old comeback. The Patriots are down 28 to 20 with two minutes and 20 seconds left. First down. Tom Brady throws it over the middle. It gets tipped up by the defense, and Julian Edelman dives with three other Falcons players and somehow miraculously, miraculously catches this ball without it being intercepted, without it touching the ground, and this really just gives them so much momentum, gives the Patriots so much momentum to go and actually win the game when they were down 28-3 against the Falcons. You know, we all know the history. We know the memes. That was set up large part of Julian Edelman catching this absolutely insane pass. And, you know, yes, it's a catch. And, yes, it, where, where did this one end up at? Uh, the 40-yard line. So, you know, on the Falcons 40-yard line. So they still have a ways to go on this drive. But this gave them so much momentum, so much energy. And it took away the energy of Atlanta. This close of getting an interception, really sealing the game. This close of being incomplete. And now it's second and 10, putting more pressure on the Patriots and Brady. But Julian Edelman says, no, no, no. Y'all not putting the pressure on me. I'm putting the pressure on y'all. Y'all have activated my trap guard. Throws down the reverse uno card and now it allows Tom Brady to have the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history so that's what Julian Edelman does folks he gets it done he's an absolute winner he's an absolute dependable clutch player exactly what you want in the big game winning the big game kind of single-handedly we just saw you know the play down here against the Seahawks right on the goal line go ahead score yes sir 
So he was just absolutely outrageous in the playoffs, and that was basically his biggest ticket. His That's got to be the first thing he puts on the resume. I'm clutch in the big games, and what more would you want, man? That's why you play the game to be clutch, to get it done, to win the ring. He doesn't have the longevity stats, you know, kind of like what Phillip Rivers has done, and if everybody kind of cr- out crying for him to be in the Hall of Fame as well, but he's never, he's never won an AFC championship game like Julian Edelman has and he's never been to the Super Bowl like Julian Edelman has and he's never won the Super Bowl like Julian Edelman has he's always floundered in the big game Julian Edelman does not flounder in the big games um, alrighty, let's kind of, you know, stay along uh, of this narrative of him just being absolutely great in the kind of playoff games. And let's k- take a look at kind of all the Super Bowls that he has been in. So here we go. And let's kind of break down the stats. How did he compare to everybody else that was in the game? Was he the best wide receiver in all those Super Bowls? Because that would kind of elevate his Hall of Fame kind of resume a little bit more. So let's dive a little bit deeper into this really quickly. Um, as we see... Um, he did get to, he did officially get to four Super Bowls, but the one in 2011, he was injured in and never stepped foot on the field. Then the next three Super Bowls, all other Super Bowls that he actually played in, he won. That's huge folks. Three and oh in the Super Bowl when he played. Gosh, darn man. That's fantastic. So let's see what he did here. 2014 against Seattle here. Uh, seven catches, no, nine receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown. So let's see what we get here. How did he stack up against everybody else here? All right, let's start here with the Patriots. Julian Edelman, as we said, had 109 yards receiving. The second highest Patriot wide receiver that had yards receiving was Rob Gronkowski with 68 yards. So, yes, Julian Edelman was the best wide receiver on his team in this Super Bowl against the Seahawks. Now, how how did he kind of compare overall in the game? The highest wide receiver for the Seahawks was Chris Matthews, also with 109 yards. So, overall, he was kind of, you know, the best wide receiver out there. And once again, a very, very close game here. The Patriots winning it by four points, 28 to 24, single-handedly because of Julian Edelman right there. So we would have to kind of say that he was the best overall player in this Super Bowl. And did he win Super Bowl MVP here? Because he does have a Super Bowl MVP. And I think it has to be for this game. Go ahead, game-winning score, the best wide receiver in the entire game. Uh, Do they show us that here? They give us that here? Game info. Super, oh, no. Tom Brady won MVP on that one? Hmm. I disagree. Did he win it for Atlanta? But let's go to that at game because that's the next game up. So here we go. His next Super Bowl against Atlanta. He had five receptions for 87 yards, no touchdowns. But let's see how he kind of stacked up in this Super Bowl receiving-wise. He didn't win the MVP here either? I thought he had a Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady won this one as well. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Here we go. Julian Edelman, 87 receiving yards. James White? James White had 110 receiving yards? Oh, my God. That's a running back. Woo. That man stepped it up big time in that game. Wow. 110 receiving yards for James White. Uh, But Julian Edelman was the second leading wide receiver for the squad of wide receivers. He was the best wide receiver on the squad with 87 yards. Unfortunately, no touchdown. But once again, that big catch at the 40-yard line that we just saw. 
And when we compare it to what the Falcons did, uh, what did they have for receivers? Julio Jones only put up 87 receiving yards, same amount as Julian Edelman. So once again, kind of overall, in totality of kind of everything that happened in this game, we would probably have to declare Julian Edelman the best wide receiver. Wide receiver, not James White. You know, he's a running back. I'll give him the 110 yards. Absolutely monster game. I'll give it to him. But when we're talking about just wide receivers in this game, we have to give it up that Julian Edelman was the best one in this game. He beat out Julio Jones. Julio Jones didn't have a big catch, a big time catch that really kind of won them the game because they lost the game. He didn't have that catch. So Julian Edelman, more stock in his kind of Hall of Fame resume and let's go to his last Super Bowl here against the Rams here we go 10 catches for 141 yards no touchdowns but nobody was scoring touchdowns in this game there was like one touchdown scored this game it was 13 to 3 the final score so he had 10 catches for 141 yards let's see how it compared to everybody else here Alrighty, here we go. On his own team, we got uh, Julian Edelman, 141 yards receiving. And then who's number two? Rob Gronkowski, obviously all reliable here uh, with 87 yards receiving. And once again, he's a tight end. So if you want to just kind of move it at true receivers, Cordell Patterson put up 14 yards receiving. All right, and James White in this one only putting up five yards receiving. So where's James White at? Come on, get it up again. So once again, consistently great in the playoffs in Super Bowl games. Folks, come on, that's got to weigh heavy. It's got to it's gotta truly weigh heavy on that resume. And let's compare it to the Rams before we exit this. Uh, the, the best Rams wide receiver was Brandon Cooks with 120 yards receiving, no touchdowns. So once again, Julian Edelman, the best receiver in the Super Bowl, and they win the game because of him. Now, did he win the Super Bowl MVP for this game? He did. Alrighty, so it was with the Rams. That's where he got his Super Bowl MVP from. Finally, not Tom Brady because Tom Brady had one no passing touchdowns and one interception. So not good there. Who had the touchdown? Who had the lone touchdown? Sony Michelle. Yes, sir. Get it done. Uh, 94 rushing yards with the touchdown. So, I mean, Julian Edelman, he's been clutch, folks. He's been the best wide receiver in every single Super Bowl that he has been in. And he's kind of made the big play that helped Tom Brady kind of overcome a big deficit or just kind of single-handedly win in the game like he did with, there with Seattle. Obviously, we have to give uh, credit to Malcolm uh, Butler as well for getting the pick in the end zone. I get it. But he had the go-ahead score, folks. So now the only thing else left to do is compare Julian Edelman to kind of everything else around the league in the Hall of Fame. And that's where it kind of gets broken down a little bit. Yes, he's been great. But overall, totality stats-wise, it's nothing truly too impressive here. When we look at the wide receivers that are currently in the Hall of Fame, you know, the best one, this is just what you know pro football reference kind of says is the best one here we're not here to argue we're just here to kind of just you know see where you know in the grand scheme of things where Julian Edelman would fit in the Hall of Fame if he did get here so they rank Jerry Rice the best Hall of Famer out here wide receiver wise 22,000 yards, 197 touchdowns. I mean, that's the big disparity that's kind of really hurting Julian Edelman's uh, Hall of Fame resume is the lack of yards and the very lack of touchdowns here. I mean, when we're looking at just touchdowns, we got Randy Moss, 156. Marvin Harrison, 128, 14,000 yards. Randy Moss, 15,000 yards. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, he's not in the Hall of Fame yet because he's still playing, but uh, Pro Football Reference still has him kind of ranked if he gets, when he gets 
addition to the Hall of Fame, he's going to probably be the fourth best wide receiver Hall of Fame that there was in this league. And Larry Fitzgerald has 17,000 yards, 121 touchdowns. Terrell Owens, 15,000 yards, 153 touchdowns. Steve Largent, 13,000 yards, 100 touchdowns. James Lofton, 14,000 yards, 75 touchdowns. Uh, Chris Carter, 13,000 yards, 130 touchdowns. So we can kind of see where Julian Edelman falls off resume-wise. Now let's just kind of go down to who Pro reference says is the worst, kind of the lowest bar here, wide receiver-wise, to get into the Hall of Fame. And they say that is Tommy McDonald. And he had 8,000 yards, 84 touchdowns. So a hell of a lot more touchdowns, basically doubling his touchdowns and still getting 2,000 more yards. Now, Tommy McDonald only had one championship, but he also had six Pro Bowls. Julian Edelman has zero Pro Bowl appearances. Another big knock on his Hall of Fame resume. And look at this. Oh, my God. They've already got Tyreek Hill ranked right under Tommy McDonald here. Uh, so Tyreek Hill's already got 5,000 yards, 47 touchdowns. Already Tyreek Hill. Already. Already outpacing Julian Edelman right here. And he's only he's only in the league, what, five, six seasons? What has he got? One, two, three, four, five seasons. And Tyreek Hill is already a little bit better than Ty uh, Julian Edelman kind of stat-wise in the Hall of Fame categories. And Tyreek Hill's got a championship. And a Pro Bowl, five Pro Bowls. Ever since he stepped foot in this league, a Pro Bowl, Julian Edelman. So it's tough to give him into kind of this Hall of Fame stat um, status. Um, one I kind of like to compare to, can I find it here? Um, you know, I would kind of compare Julian Edelman a little bit to, let me see if I can find him on this list. Let me see if I can find I mean, DeAndre Hopkins right now in this league already has 10,000 receiving yards, 60 touchdowns. He's a surefire Hall of Famer here. If he can get the, if he can get a ring, absolutely, definitely would solidify it. A.J. Green's got 9,000 yards, 65 touchdowns. So, I mean, we're just kind of looking at comparisons between good wide receivers in this league, great wide receivers that, you know, have played the game or are currently playing the game, and just kind of comparing it to what Julian Edelman did. His stats, his lackluster stats is definitely hurting him. But like we said, his clutch ability, we really haven't seen that too much. I mean, let's just kind of quickly go back up top here to what the champ, to what these big Hall of Famers of the wide receivers did in their championship games. I mean, Jerry Rice had three championships. Randy Moss, zero. He never won a ring. Marvin Harrison only won one ring. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, we all know, has never won a ring. We're hoping that changes this year. They've got the pieces around it, so potentially he's got one at the end of his career. Terrell Owens, no Super Bowls. Um, Chris Carter, no Super Bowls. So it is still possible for him to get in because he's got three great Super Bowl appearances, three great playoff runs that he really dominated in and really helped them win. Um, so let's keep going here. Um, let me, where is he? Where is he? Um, did I pass him already? I wanted to talk about one guy, Jordy Nelson. That's who we wanted to kind of compare him to a little bit of kind of just real good for, you know, his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. Uh, here he is, Jordy Nelson. Here we go. Jordy Nelson, he's got the Super Bowl, 8,000 yards, 72 touchdowns, but he's not in the Hall of Fame, and I don't think we would put kind of Jordy Nelson in the Hall of Fame either. Um, 
Jordy Nelson, multiple thousand-yard uh, receiving game, receiving seasons, twelve thousand yards, thirteen hundred yards, fifteen hundred yards, twelve hundred yards, multiple touchdowns. Like we said, ended his career with eight thousand yards in seventy-two touchdowns. But are we putting Jordy Nelson? In the, in the Hall of Fame, even though that he was real good and real serviceable with Aaron Rodgers and always coming up clutch for this team, are we going to put him in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. I don't think we can. Um, but like we said, I mean, the one thing that Julian Edelman has is just the absolute clutch ability, clutch, abil clutch ability, dependability, and that's his biggest factor. All right, two last things before we make our official ruling here, our official ruling on if Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer here. So let's read Bill Belichick's statement on, quote, the ultimate competitor of Julian Edelman. This is what Bill Belichick says about this man, quote, by any measures of what constitutes an elite NFL career wins, championships, production, Julian has it all. And we, we Bill Belichick agrees with what we just said, his his clutchability in those freaking wins. He's, he's a winner, folks. He's a true winner out here. Every time time he stepped foot on that Super Bowl field, he won the game. He won. All right, uh, said Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, quote, few players can match Julian's achievements, and we just kind of proved that. We looked at kind of the top five wide receivers in the Hall of Fame right now, and yeah, uh, number one has three championships like Julian Edelman does, So, and nobody else is really that close. All right, few, few players can match Julian's achievements, period. But considering his professional trajectory and longevity, the group is even more select. Exactly. He's not one of these players has that's been along for, you know, 15-plus years that has just, you know, been kind of the true number one wide receiver on a team. So he's getting all those targets. So he's getting all those deep field shots to increase his yardage. Um, all right, but considering his professional trajectory and longevity, the group is even more select. It is historic. I would say so as well. This is a tribute to his legendary competitiveness. Oh, I love that. Uh, mental and physical toughness and will to excel. Oh, my God. Bill Belichick is hammering this exactly on the freaking head here. Love it. Day in and day out, Julian was always the same. All out. Then in the biggest games and moments with championships at stake, he reached an even greater heights and delivered some of his best most thrilling performances performances for all Julian did for our team. What I may appreciate the most is he was the quint quintessential throwback player. He could and did do everything. Catch, run, throw, block, return, cover, tackle. All with an edge and an attitude that would not allow him to fail any under circumstances. Julian Edelman is the ultimate competitor and it was a privilege to coach him. I just got chills reading this statement, folks. And honestly, I was ready to say that Julian Julian Edelman was not a Hall of Famer, but hearing his words of Bill Belichick and how he just phrased everything that we've been saying for the last 20 minutes and putting it absolutely perfectly, he is the ultimate competitor. He is the ultimate winner. He is the ultimate kind of Swiss Army knife. The man was throwing, running, returning, everything, catching, blocking, an absolutely magnificent freaking career here that was capped off of just being a true freaking winner. Gosh darn, man. Now I'm undecided right now. The last thing I the last thing I kind of want to say before we make the ultimate decision here if he gets into the Hall of Fame is this is the ultimate disrespect right here and this man brought it up absolutely fantastically so shout out not Adam at all on Twitter 
He says, Terrell Owens didn't get in the Hall of Fame till his third year of eligibility. And y'all telling me Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame? Crying emojis. I mean, that is a fact right there. The fact that Terrell Owens did not get in his first year is a little blasphemous and truly disrespectful and truly outrageous. And you all should be outraged on that fact. So, now, does Julian Edelman deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Ugh, 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 ugh. I was ready to say no. I truly was. But then going back and just looking of how freaking great this man was, how clutch in these words of Bill Belichick, they have to hold so much weight, folks. We have to give Bill Belichick so much credit of what he's been able to do sustainability-wise so he knows what it takes to kind of win on the field and knows what true great production is and knows what true winning caliber football is and knows what sacrifices need to be made. And the fact that Bill Belichick Belichick is praising Julian Edelman so much in the fact that Julian Edelman is 3-0 in the Super Bowl in the fact that he was the reason that they won most of the Super Bowls in the reason that in the fact that he was the best kind of wide receiver out on that field in all three Super Bowls that they won that he won. I think we got to give it up for him. I'm putting Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame, not just because of his base numbers, because we've proven that's nothing truly that great, but just of like Bill Belichick said, that in the biggest games and moments with championships at stake, he reached an even greater height. What are we talking about, folks? Y'all want to put Phillip Rivers in the Hall of Fame, and the man has never even beat an AFC championship game. Yes, he's got longevity stats. That's what Julian Edelman doesn't have. But Julian Edelman in the biggest games of his career, in the biggest moments, down. Down big. Down bad. Down 28-3 against the Falcons. Down 24-20 against the the, uh, the Seahawks. Hawks and he goes and gets the big catch. He gets the score on the goal line. I'm giving it to him, baby. Julian Edelman, welcome to the Hall of Fame, baby. Yes, sir. Woo! Woo! Yes! Damn! Woo! I'm hype on this man. A winner, a champion, a true freaking competitor out here. We got to give it up for him. That's all that football's about winning. Can you win? This man says, yes, I gosh darn can, and I'll prove it to you every single mother-loving game. I'm giving it to him. Julian Edelman, Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. We're done. No no more discussion. No more arguments. The discussion is done, folks. The, the, the debate is over. He is a Hall of Famer. First ballot. Surefire. Give it to the man. Give it to the man. Woo, man. Truly hyped up. Oof. That Bill, I did not read that Bill Belichick quote before this show, and I'm absolutely glad I did because I literally was getting goosebumps, folks. Wow. What a champion. A true champion. A champion. A champion you're gonna leave a champion out of the hall of fame come on come on come on get him in there three rings three all because of him what other hall of fame wide receiver has three rings like he does just jerry rice randy boss only zero marvin harrison one Terrell Owens, zero. Steve Largent, zero. James Lofton, zero. Lance Allworth, two. Who is this man? Lance Allworth played in the freaking 60s. He's got two. Let's keep going. Chris Carter, none. Chris Carter, none. Chris Carter, none. Tim, Tim Brown, none. Paul Walford, three. When did he play? The 50s? 
the 60s again, three in the 60s. He's doing this in the 2020s, the 20-teens, the 2010s. That's when he's getting it done. Isaac Bruce, one. Charles Taylor, zero. Michael Irvin, three. All right, we got to respect Michael Irvin a little bit. I'll give him that one. All righty. Um, here we go. Let's keep going here. Don Marvin, one. Art Monk, three. When did this man play? The 80s. The 80s. 81, the early 80s, the 80s. <laughs> He's got three. What else do we get? Charlie Joyner, zero. Raymond Barry, two. When did he play? The 50s. The 50s. That man's got two. Drew Pearson, one. Calvin Johnson's got none, and he's been great. Andre Reed's none, and he's been great. Come on. The winner. Yes, you know, everybody's got these great stats in the Hall of Fame for wide receivers, but they don't have the rings. They never stepped it up in the biggest games. This man was winning single-handedly. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, Julian Edelman, congratulations. You can come pick up the jacket at the Takes by Fan Studio. Just reach out to me. We'll, <laughs> I'll give you the address out here. Um, I love it. I love it. I'm giving it to him. I'm giving it to him. Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. <sighs> Alrighty, we may have to take a little bit of a break, but let's move off that topic. I'm fired up, folks, but we got more show to do, folks. We, that was the second story we covered, and we're already 36 minutes into the show here. Damn. Damn. <sighs> Alrighty, let's continue on here. Let's go to some non-energetic non stories so we can kind of calm down a little bit, because I'm about to freaking run through my walls. I'm about to run through all these freaking walls around me. All right. <laughs> here we go. Deep breath. All right. Here we go. Jaday Van Clowney, Hall of Famer. Get him in there already. Get him in there already. I'm ready to put everybody in the Hall of Famer. Damn. All right. Jaday Van Clowney, he's going to revisit the Browns for the second time on Wednesday. And I think we all have to kind of uh, get used to the fact that this is going to happen. I think Jaday Van Clowney is going to sign with the Browns come tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, they did. The Browns ended up did ending uh, did end up offering him a three year, fifty seven million dollar deal last year before he signed that one year, twelve million dollar deal with the Titans. We all know they didn't truly work out that well for the Titans. They were still you know a little lackluster defensively, and still you know Ryan Tannehill did a little worse. They didn't get to the AFC Championship game. They got to the first round exit, I believe. But uh, yeah, just expect this to get done. Meeting with the with the team again. They were there. They were this close of signing him before. No other team has really kind of expressed too much interest in this man. So just expect tomorrow morning when you check your phone, when you check Twitter, when you watch whatever sports show you watch. Hopefully it's this one and only this one. Uh, Jadavion Clowney will be a Brown tomorrow. So and this that's fantastic. I mean the team is ready to win now. They're getting better every single season. We love what Kevin Stefanski did. Year one for the squad. We loved his development with John, um, Johnny Manziel. Could you imagine? Um, Baker Mayfield loved it. And we're going to get a OBJ back healthy for an entire season. So that's what we're talking about. The defense is always pretty, or already pretty good. Jadavion Clowney getting added to the line of Miles Garrett. What more does this team need to win now? Let's see what they can do. And they also challenged the Chiefs and only lost by one possession in the playoffs. Fantastic. So tomorrow, Jadavion Clowney becomes a Brown in the league is forever changed. <laughs> So, expect that tomorrow on the show. Alrighty, let's move on. Here we go. Matt Rule. Panthers plan to let Teddy Bridgewater situation, quote, play out and see where it stands. Um, we know that Matt Rule has kind of said, hey, Teddy B, go, you know, you can 
you can leave. <laughs> you can facilitate your own trade if you want. You don't need to be here. We're not. You're not going to be the starter. I mean, we made that perfectly clear by giving away three draft picks uh, for a quarterback right now. So, yeah, thanks for last season. Thanks for, you know, transitioning me into the NFL. But I, I can take it over from here, Teddy. Go and try and, you know, get somewhere else because you're not going to be playing here. So, this is what Matt Rule says, quote, Teddy's still a member of this team. Mm. Uh, Rule said, quote, it's been, document it's been documented that or our organization gave his, gave his representation to talk with some other people. So I think we're just going to have to let it play out and see where it stands. I think you guys all know how I feel about Teddy as a professional, as a person. I believe he can win games as a quarterback in this league. Oh, you do? You do? Then why are you moving off of him? You think Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold has never proven that he can win games in this league. Teddy Bridgewater has. So uh, this quote, I, I lost a little respect of Matt Rule. I know this is what he has to say, but I mean, coming in his second season of being a head coach in this league, getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater when he didn't even have a good running game and he had two 1,000-yard wide receivers on his team? Come on. And you're just throwing him to the curve for Sammy D? Come on. So... <clears throat> Matt Rule obviously doesn't want Teddy Bridgewater to be here anymore. He doesn't want him to be his quarterback. We saw, we kind of heard some quotes at the end of the season of Matt Rule kind of, you know, hinting. We didn't want to really believe in him, so we kind of, you know, said that we were, well, yeah, we, we really didn't want to believe in those quotes, but Teddy, Matt Rule was kind of saying, you know what, Teddy Bridgewater does have to step up next season, and, you know, this season's still a little bit of a disappointment performance-wise by him, so, you know, he was always out there kind of hinting that they were, that he was not really interested in bringing Teddy Bridgewater back. Uh, truly unfortunate for him. I think he had a real good season this season. It wasn't great. It wasn't clutch. It wasn't Julian Edelman, but it was a little serviceable for a first-year quarterback with a new team and a first year head coach in the league newly and not having your face of the franchise there so I really think everything was a little stacked against Teddy Bridgewater this season but he still really kind of made it work decently like we said he just wasn't clutch but I don't think that's punishable of not getting another year um so <clears throat> Tom Brady's got everybody acting crazy out here Tom Brady's like hang on I can go anywhere I want to win easily y'all y'all are having struggles here y'all are having like two, three seasons to kind of get acclimated and then make the playoff run? What is that? I'm, I'm winning year one. Year one. New team. No problem. So what are y'all doing? So Tom Brady's got everybody acting reckless out here. Reckless. Just trading everybody. Getting new pieces constantly. So Teddy Bridgewater, I hope he's a starter next season. It's not looking great, but if the Bears, Matt Nagy needs to swallow that pride a little bit. Admit that you missed on Andy Dalton and go and sign this man right now. So we'll see where Teddy Bridgewater uh, ends up going. He's free to leave. They're free to let him go. Just a team has to, you know, pick him up. So we'll see what happens with this man. All righty, folks. Woo! A big one here. Finally, Britt Reed, Andy Reed's son, has been charged with felony driving while intoxicated for his involvement in a car crash earlier this year that left a five-year-old girl critically injured the freaking couple days before the Super Bowl, drinking and driving. If convicted, Reed would face a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. Yikes. Imagine being in the NFL winning champions winning championships about to win your second and you almost kill a child because you drove drunk 
Yikes. Um, I, unfortunately, I think you got to throw the book at the man, unfortunately. I think you got to give him the seven years. Nobody's above this law, folks. Nobody's above the law. Even if you are coaching in this league, even if you are the son of a head coach that won the Super Bowl, that, you know, is going to build a dynasty. They were building a dynasty. Not only did this man almost kill somebody, kill a child, he also ruined a dynasty of that Chiefs. Did you see the Chiefs play in that Super Bowl? It was nothing like anything I saw that Chiefs team do. Their entire two seasons of being absolutely magnificent, even three, we'll go back a year of that uh, AFC Championship game where they lost against the uh, the Patriots. <clears throat> But, I mean, you ruined that dynasty. You had Andy Reid. Like, what the hell? You distracted the entire organization. I, I can't say that's worse than almost killing a child, but it's... It's close. I'm going to say it's close. It's close up there because she survived, so we can kind of say that a little bit. But, I mean, man, oh, man, ruining a dynasty, ruining your father's legacy. Your father's only goal was to get a good quarterback in win Super Bowls. He almost had a good quarterback in Donovan McNabb, but he wasn't Julian Edelman out there and never got it done in the NFC Championship games or the Super Bowls. Andy Reid finally has a gamer like Julian Edelman in Patrick Mahomes, and they uh, almost went back-to-back -back with the Super Bowl championships. But this man wants to start killing children that's his new line of work i'm murdering children out here all right so let's uh quickly go over this article see if there's anything good in this one so here we go former kansas city chiefs oh former they fired that man i guess so i mean i guess he would have to right so former kansas city chiefs assistant i didn't i didn't think he got fired um all right interesting um here we go former kansas city chiefs assistant coach Britt reed has been charged with felony driving while intoxicated for his involvement in a car crash earlier this year that left five-year-old girl critically injured the jackson county missouri prosecutor's office filed the class d felony charge monday damn stating that reed quote operated a motor vehicle while under the influence of alcohol and acted with criminal negligence by driving at an excessive rate of speed. Oof, they got you on drunk driving and you are whipping that thing around. If convicted, Reed would face a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. <clears throat> Reed, the son of Andy, uh, coach, Chiefs coach Andy Reed, surrendered to Kansas City Police Monday afternoon. Alrighty, so he's already kind of in the custody. Well, then he's already released because he posted the bail of $100,000, um, $100,000 bond, of course. I mean, Andy Reid's throwing that money around. Andy Reid's like, yo, Patty Mahomes, I, I need some of that money down here. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, you just got $500 million. I need 100000 of that. I got to get my son out of prison. Uh, <laughs> All right. Reid was ordered to not consume alcohol or visit visit any establishment where alcohol is the primary item sold he also must report to a dependency service clinic for pre-trial supervision is subject to random drug testing and must use alcohol in gps monitoring devices Alrighty. so yes he's out on bond but he still cannot be around the alcohol Alrighty, here we go. Let's just kind of see kind of, you know, the total impact of the crash if we are not all up to speed. So analysis of the crash indicated that Reed was driving 83.9 miles per hour, basically 84, just 1.9 seconds before his Dodge Ram collided with two parked vehicles on the ramp. The man ran into some parked cars going 80. Four miles an hour? Wow! I did not know that. A Chevy Impala and a Chevy Traverse. Man, the Chevy's got to get a little bit better. <laughs> they they got to go back in the lab and be like, all right, we were fine with the 85 miles an hour. Everybody was good. But now people want to start going 80 freaking, or 80 miles an hour, now 84. I think I missed it, but so we'll move on. I think I ruined the joke there. Um, okay, according to a probable cause statement, 
form filed Monday. The Jackson County Prosecutor's Office... One of the vehicles had stalled because its battery was dead, and the second was owned by a cousin who had arrived to help. Man, could you imagine, you know, getting a call that, you know, your cousin is stranded um, on a ramp going onto a highway, I'm assuming, and, uh, you know, asking you, hey, can you get over here, and you get there, and you're doing your thing, and somebody drunk driving 83.9 miles an hour crashes in the back of you? Absolutely crazy out here. So, Andrew Reed truly deserved to be charged with felony DUI. Truly deserves to get charged if all those kind of, you know, facts and statements of everything that we just read is correct. Not going to be good for this man. So, truly, truly not not unfortunate because, you know, he did it. He, he did drive drunk himself. But just truly unfortunate of all the circumstances that did occur. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. But uh, I would expect that man to get that guilty verdict. I'm, I, I would say he's guilty. <laughs> Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. The Bucks, it's some good news. I actually like this news. Here we go. The Bucks are signing former Bengals running back Giovanni Bernard to a one-year deal. I love it. Giovanni Bernard, always kind of a solid running back here for the Bengals. He paid his time. He was there with Andy Dalton and Marvin. Um, who, who, what's that coach's name? Marvin. Marvin. Is it Marvin Harrison? Am I bugging? I don't think it's Marvin Harrison. What's this man's what's this man's name? Marvin Lewis. That's right. Okay. Marvin Lewis. So he paid his time. He did his dues that season. That team never really it underachieved every single year, and we all knew it was coming every single year, year in, year out. Like the narratives would be like, oh, is this a year Andy Dalton and Marvin Jones finally gets it done? No, of course not. What are y'all crazy? No, they can't get it done. So that was, you know, Giovanni Bernard back there in the backfield. Always kind of solid, you know, 600 yards receiving, but then he brings some great, uh, or rushing, you know, 600 yards rushing, but then he also brings the good receiving yards as well. You know, 500 receiving yards, 472, 300, and you know, you know, in his early days with the Bengals, he was having, you know, 1,200 yards total between the rushing and the catching, so not bad overall of really kind of never being a premier running back in this league, not kind of ever being that A1 tier 1 running back, so, you know, he paid his dues there with the Bengals. He was with the Bengals last season. Um, 124 rushes for 416 yards. You know, just a three-yard average. You know, average. It's truly average. You know, last year it was average. He also piled on 355 yards receiving, and that's a little bit of what the Bucks struggled with in the regular season. Not so much in the postseason, but in that regular season this year of kind of the running backs not really catching the ball out of the backfield too well. Ronald Jones doesn't really do it. Leonard Fournette was dropping all the balls that Tom Brady was throwing to him in the regular season. Pre postseason, he kind of stepped it up a little bit, but Giovanni Bernard here uh, getting that depth of the Bucks a little bit deeper. Nice kind of catching running back out of the backfield very good very serviceable and hey he's like y'all giving out rings out here I want a ring as well for my dues my time paid in this league so love that he's getting a one-year deal here with the Bucks hopefully he gets a ring so that you know once again why we are you know Bucks fan this year is we want to see Giovanni Bernard get that ring he kind of he deserves one I'll give him one I'll give him one so, one-year deal for Giovanni Bernard. Let's run it back. Uh, I mean, we all know they ba they basically have re-signed all of their players already to kind of go back-to-back here. So, we'll see how Giovanni Bernard helps. I don't think he'll hurt the team, but if he does, we'll track it. So, Giovanni Bernard on the box. Love it. 
Alrighty, last year we kind of said goodbye to the 16-game era, you know, talking about the best win percentages in the league with the uh, the Patriots and the Steelers having the best win percentage in that 40-year era of the 16-game schedule in the NFL. But let's talk about, you know, the worst win percentage in the 16-game era. Which teams can just finally kind of, all right, we're moving into a new phase in the NFL. This is kind of, you know, our new future, what we've done these last 40 years, kind of our past. Let's be the Patriots of last era. Let's be the Steelers of last era. So these are the teams that are looking for a lot of improvement. The Lions had the worst win percentage in the league with 39.6 win percentage out there. We know they were one of the undefeated team or one of the defeated teams here in this 16 game season. This 16 game era going 0 and 16. We'll see if they cannot go 0 and 17 because just leave it, move on. This is a new beginning. This 21 20 2021 season is the chance of new beginning. So Lions with the 39 percent, 39.6 percent win percentage. They still have a lot of work to do because they really. Have they just got rid of their franchise guy, their franchise quarterback, and they just have a new head coach. That's not going to work out. We all know. Um, but the Browns, the second worst win percentage, and they're trending up. So this is the Browns' chance to be relevant in this new era. The Bucks, the third worst win percentage in this league. Once again, they just started their era. They just started their great era last year with Tom Brady. Now they're going to try and bring it into the 17-game season era here. The Cardinals, the fourth worst win percentage. They're trending up. They got their they they got their offense. They got their defense. They're signing everybody. They're ready to make the run right now. So the Cardinals moving into the 17-game era, ready to rock. The Jaguars having uh, the fifth worst win percentage. They're drafting their face of the franchise. Let's see what we can do. 17 game season, new era, new everything, new uh, new records that are going to get set, that are going to get broken, new kind of metrics of what makes great quarterbacks and wide receivers good, what's good now, 1,000 yard seasons aren't going to cut it anymore, new time to shine, let's start getting it done, let's start making our kind of franchise's history starting now so we can talk about, you know, the Lions, the Browns, the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Jags, like we've been talking about the Seahawks and the Patriots and the Steelers for the last 40 freaking years. So, hey, you can turn it around. You can start over, start fresh with this new era. Let's see what these kind of worst teams can do. Can they turn it around or will they just be trash for two straight eras and maybe try to turn it around when it inevitably inevitably gets pushed to 18 game seasons? So, Lions, a lot of work to do, but uh, it is doable. We've seen the Browns, Bucks, Cardinals, and Jags all potentially doing it as well. All right, I don't get this one, man. I truly hate this one. Here we go. Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot. I think it's Fontenot. It's F-O-N-T-N-O-T. Fontenot. I don't know. Uh, but he's the new general manager here for the Falcons, and he says that Atlanta is in prime position to, quote, stack good quarterbacks. What? What are you talking about? Your line's been trash. Your defense has been really below average. Matt Ryan's been serviceable out here. He's got the weapons to be serviceable, but you want to go and get another quarterback and not kind of fill up the holes? What are you talking about? Did you not just watch the Green Bay Packers this season? They drafted a quarterback first uh, first round last season, and they got to the NFC Championship game, and they lost. They never plugged up any holes. They never addressed any issues. They were playing for the future, and they got beat by the Bucks, who had a more stacked team. So instead of getting a playmaker that would have kind of set you over the edge in the NFC Championship Championship game, you went and drafted Aaron Rodgers' potential replacement 
why? Why did you? Why would you do that? First of all, and we saw it not play out, and now the Falcons want to do the same thing. We just saw it. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then in the article, he kind of goes about saying that. You know, if you know, if we can get a quarterback here and you know have him learn under Matt Ryan and then make the switch when it's time, make the focus about winning a Super Bowl right now. You've got the quarterback to do it right now. Shore up your defense, shore up your offensive line at the number four overall pick. Don't get Matt Ryan's replacement. Don't trade back in the draft to draft Matt Ryan's replacement. What it doesn't work. We literally just saw it not work. So are you happy with NFC Championship game losses? Are you happy with that? Because if you are, then and yes, go and get Matt Ryan's kind of backup and replacement right now because that's what you will be. You will lose to the Bucks, who have a supremely talented roster. They just signed Giovanni Bernard, folks. They have pushed him over the edge to win it again this year. So I don't know what people are thinking out here. Don't uh, go and shore up what you need. Worry about that when it comes time for that. You can get serviceable, serviceable quarterbacks. That are kind of back up on some person's roster when Matt Ryan's ready to go. Go and get kind of the backup quarterback, then get a then draft a quarterback and start the process. But have that infrastructure ready for Matt Ryan's replacement. Ah, oh, this is stupid. If the uh, so help me God, if the Falcons draft a quarterback at number four, I will blow my mind. And if they trade back and then you know to like late in the first round and then draft a quarterback, I'll freaking uh, blow my mind again because that makes no sense. Go and get the running back to help out this team. I mean, could you imagine uh, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne on this team with freaking Jer um, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? I mean, come on, that's triple threat out there offensively. Come on. It doesn't work. Y'all uh, doing the same thing. That's insanity. Doing the same thing, expecting different results. Come on. Come on. Stupid. I'll call general manager stupid. I, that's not above me. Come on. Or that's not below me. However, the saying goes, whatever makes the most sense. Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. A lot of stories to go through. We may not be able to get to anything else today. Jeez. Uh, here we go. Bruce Arians, quote, wouldn't be, against, wouldn't be against Buccaneers drafting a quarterback. Hey, hey, Falcons, this is what you do. This is what you can do. You can win the Super Bowl, and then with Tom Brady, you know, basically only having like one or two more seasons left, maybe more. We don't know. This man's breaking all Father Time's rules. He's not from this planet because he is not following any laws of physics out here. But this is how you do it. You know that, you know, you've got pieces all around you. You've got the wide receivers. Your defense is great. You just re-signed everybody. You just won the Super Bowl. Now you can start looking for the replacement of Tom Brady because you're already on top and you're literally signing all the talent. You've brought in everybody back. You don't do what the Falcons are doing is you didn't even get to the playoffs. You're not winning consistently. You don't even, you got a new head coach. You've got a new general manager. Now you're looking for Matt Ryan's potential replacement because you want to stack good quarterbacks and not round out your entire team so you can compete for ranks? Come on! Bruce Arians, he, he may be the best head coach of all time. He may be the smartest head coach of all time. Just truly kind of maybe like Andy Reid never found that great quarterback like Bill Belichick has. So, um, Bruce Arians, I'm starting to love this man every single day because he's just doing everything right on how to win and maintain winning and then winning in the future after what you've won with is already gone and you have to rebuild slightly this is how you freaking do it so Bruce Arians quote wouldn't be against drafting 
a quarterback for the Bucs, absolutely. Go and do it. You've won the ring. You've re-signed everybody. You have Tom Brady for another year. Go and let have go and draft a quarterback that can learn from Tom Brady who knows how to win in this league, not do what freaking the Falcons are doing. Ugh. Ugh. All righty. Here we go. Basketball stories. So, Monday's Nets-Wolves game was postponed because of the police killing of Dante Wright. But that game is getting played this afternoon, and I believe it starts at 4 o'clock. So we get a nice little afternoon game under not great circumstances, but uh, we get basketball at 4 o'clock today. Pretty good, I would say. All right, so that's when – and it's pretty good that they kind of made up the game the very next day, not even 24 hours later. That's pretty good. So I respect the Nets, the NBA, the the Timberwolves of kind of working together and getting it scheduled so it's not too much done. And now is Kyrie Irving going to play in this game? Because he didn't play last night because it was Ramadan, but you didn't play anyway. So is he going to play tonight or is he using that as an excuse? We don't know because it's Kyrie Irving, of course. Alrighty, and man, oh man, I think we've got to start adding Steph Curry to our MVP list, folks, of kind of just counting points every day for this man and a potential MVP runner here because here we go. Not because of this stat alone, because of his win last night, and we'll talk about that when we get to the game. Beating the Nuggets, absolutely magnificent. No Kelly Oubre Jr., and they still win it, absolutely magnificent. But here we go. Games with 10 plus 3 made, three or ten, games with 10 or more 3-point shots made. Steph Curry is number one with 18 games. He's at 18 games of hitting 10 or more threes. Absolutely magnificent. Then number two on that list is Klay Thompson with five games. And then the third on that list is James Harden and Damian Lillard, both with three games. We know this is the greatest shooter of all time. 18 games with 10 or more three-pointers made. It's absolutely absurd. And this man can do it single-handedly. He doesn't have to have, you know, a true stacked squad around him. I mean, this Warriors team is kind of pathetic, honestly. It does pain me to say it a little bit, but, I mean, the second best player besides Steph Curry is Draymond Green. Then the third best player is Andrew Wiggins. I mean, that's not a championship-winning roster, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, Kelly Oubre Jr., not in last night, and that's what he does. Drops 50-plus points, 10 or more three points made, and that's what he does out here, folks. He's just a true scorer, a true winner. He is. He is Julian Edelman, folks. Come on. So, I think we're going to start talking about this man in the MVP discussion. We are going to have to add some stipulations to that but once we get to that kind of game and we start talking about him we'll talk it all through Alrighty, let's keep going here, and man, oh man, really, really not good here. Not good for a couple reasons. We just put the Nuggets in our top 10 power rankings on Friday, and they've started to lose a couple games, so really not great there. But then, at the end of last night's game, when they were already kind of losing, they were down 7 with a minute left. Jamal Murray goes and drives to the bucket, and he, uh, he tears his ACL. I mean, this is not good. Look at how this man kind of lands on the floor. He is in excruciating pain. Hey, look at that, folks. He's a worm on the floor. He is wicked all around man this is not good at all this is absolutely uh, frightening this is uh, jaw-dropping heart-sinking uh, Jamal Murray going down for the Nuggets here a huge reason and they really don't have the backup they don't have the bench they got Facundo Capazzo he's solid he's a solid bench piece but he's not going to be able to do what Jamal Murray is able to do out here on a nightly basis so the Nuggets really truly don't have a replacement for Jamal Murray so hopefully everything's good to go for this man but oh man look at that wincing in pain agonizing pain look at that man's reaction that's something bad something big bad right there folks look at that grit of the teeth right there Ugh. so and not only did he get injured but they brought out the extendo wheelchair for this man look at this thing the hell is this the hell is that 
So, you know it's real when they bring out the freaking highly extended wheelchair that they brought out for that man last night. So, truly prayers up for this man. Hopefully, it's nothing serious. But, I mean, how can this not be serious? How could that not be serious? So, truly unfortunate here. The Nuggets lose. Jamal Murray goes down. They'll probably be done now. And uh, we'll have to probably choose a new number one come this Friday when we re-update our power rankings. But, man, oh, man, truly, truly, truly heartbreaking. Unfortunate. Man, damn it. Alrighty. Here we go. Alright, we are those are all the stories that we needed to cover for today. So let's head over to the NBA, break down what happened last night, um, reevaluate everybody's points for the MVP status and for the six men of the year category. And then we'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action. I do not think we are going to be able to get to Khalil Herbert today. So we'll probably have to push him out. Um, I mean, we just went an hour on the stories, folks. Julian Edelman got me riled up. I don't know what you want from me. Um, so uh, so we'll probably have to move our NFL draft prospect of the day to tomorrow. And we'll be behind even more. So classic. But um, So here we go. Let's just get it done here. So, here we go. The NBA from last night. Let's start here with the Lakers and the Knicks. And, man, oh, man, a truly disappointing loss here by the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma's back, and they lose. Come on. Come on. Kyle Kuzma's not that great. He hurts this team a little bit more than I think he helps them, honestly. And I really think Kyle Kuzma should still be coming off the bench um, with everybody out. But uh, he comes back in the starting lineup, a minus 26 on the floor, and only a uh, – well, they still did lose by 15, but nobody else was that trash on the floor for the starters. But – Let's start here with the Knicks. A good win for them. Let's uh, you know flip it uh, flip it around. It, this is a good win for the Knicks right here. Good defensive team of the Lakers, and they're able to get great production from their starters. That's what we're talking about. The bench didn't do anything great, but the uh, the starters all got it done. So absolutely fantastic. So here we go. Alfred Payton, 20 points, two assists, three rebounds. He shot 75% from the field. Yes, sir. Get it done. Um, then we get uh, R.J. Barrett. He only put up seven points, three assists, and three rebounds. He didn't have a great night. Only shot 18%, but the other production from the starters are able to get it done. Nerlens Null, 6 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, an all-around great game for him. Julius Randle, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 2 of 6 from 3 and 56% overall from the field. And then we get 12 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds by Reggie Bullock. So overall, not bad here by the starters. Uh, Alfred Payton steps up in place of R.J. Barrett. Reggie Bullock gives us the 10-plus points. Julius Randle went beast mode with the 34 points. So, nice job there by the starters. Everybody was great defensively. And then here for the bench, Derrick Rose comes in and puts up 14 points, two assists, three rebounds in only 19 minutes. And he shot 55%, so overall a good game by him. Nothing too great elsewise. Emmanuel quickly only put up five points in 15 minutes. OB Toppin only put up three points in nine minutes on two shots. But let's shout out Taj Gibson really quickly. Eight points and 10 rebounds in only 17 minutes. Well done out there. So still some decent performance here off the bench. Alec Burks only had two points on five shots in 16 minutes so the bench didn't do anything truly great they got a solid contribution from Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson yes sir that OG Bull squad and uh, you know the starters are Julius Randle Alfred Payton get it done and they get the win all right let's go to the Lakers now Let's see why they didn't even put up 100 points. Let's see who didn't do well for this team. Dennis Schroeder, 21 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot 1 of 3 from 3 and uh, 53% overall. He has been really getting it done. Ever since really the All-Star break, he's really been coming into his own, getting it done a little bit better out here. So shout out to Dennis Schroeder. Good game out here. 
Uh, KCP, 12 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 50%. Idre Drummond at the 5, 3 points, 10 rebounds. A little light. Especially going against Nerlens Nola. You couldn't body that man all night. Down low? Come on. Uh, so a little disappointing game from Andre Drummond. Markeith Morris, 17 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds on 63% shooting. And then we get to Kyle Kuzma. 14 points, 4 rebounds, 0 assists, 2 of 9 from 3, and a minus 26 on the floor. A minus 26 on the floor, folks. Nobody else was even close to a minus 26 on the floor. The second worst plus minus for this Lakers team was Montrezl Harold. Unfortunately, truly unfortunate, he had not a great game out here. I don't know why the bigs were not having good success here against this Knicks team. Truly uh, mind-boggling. But Montrezl Harold was a minus 12, and then Alex Caruso was a minus 11. So, I don't know what Kyle Kuzma was doing out there. And let's talk about this bench very quickly. Taylor Hill and Tucker with the 10 points and 3 assists. And uh, Montre or Ben McLemore with the 8 points off the bench in only 14 minutes. Montrose Hill, a really, truly disappointing game here. 0 points, 2 rebounds, and 0-4 shooting in 15 minutes. He's usually the leading scorer out there on the squad when uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis isn't there. So a uh, little bit of a weird game here for the Lakers, a game that they shouldn't have lost, but well done for the Knicks. Another good uh, Is this Knicks team streaking what they got going on? I want to say they're on like a two-game winning streak. Three. Ooh, even better. All right. Yes, sir. Knicks still at number eight, looking to climb up a little bit, but very well done with a three-game win streak there. We'll take it. So the Knicks get the win, 111-96 over the Lakers. All right, let's keep moving on here to the 76ers and the Mavs and the 76ers. Get it done. Yes, sir. Let's see who played well for this team. Ben Simmons, 8 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds on 50% shooting. Seth Curry, 8 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. He shot 2 of 3 from 3, so, you know, that's not bad. Uh, still want to see him generate a little bit more points offensively. Joel Embiid, 36.7 rebounds, only two assists. Tobias Harris only put up 10 points and four assists and four, re four rebounds, so a little light on the points of what we're usually expecting. And then Danny Green, only six points, two assists, three rebounds, just on two of five from three, uh, just not taking a lot of shots. And then off the bench, yes, sir, great production here. Shake Milton, 10 points, five assists, love it. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz, 20 points off the bench in only 18 minutes. Dwight Howard, 4.7 rebounds in 20 minutes, not bad overall. He was a plus 12 on the floor as well, so getting it done defensively, this 76ers team can take care of business, and that's exactly what they did against the Mavericks. No Kristaps Porzingis for the squad. Uh, so Luka is single-handedly all alone out here. And he does Luka things. 32 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. 2 of 7 from 3. Not the greatest, but hey, he gave us 32 points. So not terrible overall. Jalen Brunson steps it up a little bit. 15 points, 6 rebounds. Maxi Kleber not doing Porzingis things out there. I mean, he doesn't even do good at the 4. I mean, he's not going to do good at the 5 out here. So Maxi Kleber, 3 points, 3 rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith in the lineup, 12 points, 11 rebounds, pretty good games by him. And then Josh Richardson to round out the starters at the starting three, seven points, two assists, and one rebound. So points really do not come from anybody else besides Luka Doncic and Krista Porzingis. That's why we're not too big on this Mavs team because they are very, very lackluster. It's really just dominant on Luka and Porzingis. Nobody else really gives us any great production. And very disappointing here by Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, points needed to come from somewhere, and he floundered big in this game. 
Only nine points, two assists, three rebounds, three of six overall from the three, and only 33% overall from the field. So nothing truly great here. Boban only playing seven minutes is disrespectful. I I, I only want Boban starting. Whenever Porzingis is out of the starting lineup, that's when Boban should be elevated to the starting lineup. I don't know what is going on there. At, putting Maxi Kleber in the starting defensive line or in the starting lineup at the five. Uh, yeah, he's good defensively, but we're getting no offensive production. Then you lose by, you know, uh, 18 points. I mean, come on. So, very well done to the 76ers. End up getting the win, 113-95 over the Mavericks. Mavericks, man. Uh, start playing Boban more, man. Please, please. The man can play, truly. And there's nothing great on this Mavericks team besides Luka and Kristaps Porzingis. What else is good on this team? Come on. Jalen Brunson has some good games here and there. Josh Richardson had some good games here and there, but nothing's consistent. So the fact that Boban's not getting more play, I truly don't get it. You play, you know, J.J. Redick, you know, 13 minutes, and he shoots one of three from three and one of seven from the field, shooting 14%. That's what you want to put your time in? 14% shooting? Instead of a big old Boban out there getting four rebounds in only seven minutes? <sighs> man, oh, man. Let me be a head coach, man. I would, I would go on to... <laughs> <laughs> I would go undefeated in the NBA season. Come on. Alrighty, let's see. Uh, keep moving on here. Spurs get a nice win out here um, over the Magic, and the Magic's Magic has truly officially all run out. They are on a six-game losing streak. We saw them kind of at the trade deadline. After the trade deadline, just kind of you know winning games pretty decently, consistently, uh, consistently being competitive in games. Everybody stepping up, next man up mentality. But that's all gone out the window. That's usually how it goes. I mean, you don't expect that from long kind of sprints for long kind of uh, spreads in this league. You hit it, you know, two, three, four games, and then it's gone. You know, that's classic magic in the NBA. And the Magic's magic has run out. So let's start here with the Spurs. DeMar DeRozan coming off a buzzer beater in their last game. 19 points, 6 assists, 2 rebounds on 63% shooting. DeJounte Murray, 17 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. Great night by him. Derek White adding 15 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds. Very well done. Jacob Podol at the 5, 6.6 6 rebounds. Keldon Johnson at the 4, 4 points, but 11 rebounds and 5 assists. We'll take that. So, overall, a good night here by the starters and probably their best bench night uh, of the season right here. Drew Eubanks, 10 points, 10 rebounds off the bench. Lonnie Walker, 12 points off the bench. Rudy Gay, 12.6 rebounds off the bench. And that's fantastic. Fantastic. Three players all in double-digit points with other kind of stats along with them. That's what we're talking about, and that's what we don't get a lot of times with the Spurs. They put up 120 points. No coincidence there. So well done by the Spurs team. A nice win here over the Magic. Anybody step up here for the Magic? Dwayne Bacon, 14 points on 42% shooting. Wendell Carter at the 5, 15 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Good night by him. Uh, but that's really it. Uh, off the bench, RJ Hampton, 16 points, 8 rebounds, and Cole Anthony, 12 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds off the bench. But uh, yeah, this uh, nothing truly great by this Magic team, which we know of. All right, so Spurs get the win. Let's move on to the Bulls and the Grizzlies, and whoever won this game was going to look a little bit better in our eyes. This Bulls team on a little bit of a losing streak. This Grizzlies team on a two-game losing streak, almost back to 500 if they would have lost to, uh, last night. But the Grizzlies get back on track here in another kind of fourth-quarter poor performance here by the Bulls, unfortunately not closing out games. All right, so let's start here with the Grizzlies, and then we'll talk about the Bulls. So here we go. Classic lineup here by the Grizzlies. John Morant, 13 points, 10 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot 35%. Not great, but overall with the 10 assists, we'll take that. 
Grayson Allen, 14 points, 6 rebounds. Yes, sir, 4 of 9 from 3. That's what we're talking about, Grayson. He does have some of these good games out here. So, very well done to him. Jonas Valanciunas, 26 points, 14 rebounds. Kyle Anderson, only 5 points, but he had 4 steals, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. Just getting it done in every facet of the game. Didn't shoot well either. 1 of 6 from 3 in 25% overall. And then Dylan Brooks, 17 points, 7 rebounds. Once again, not a great shooting night, but I'll take the 17 points and 7 rebounds in the good defense of what we know of Dylan Brooks. So, very well done here by the starters, all kind of getting it done. And then look at this bench, not bad either. Brandon Clark, 9 points, 9 rebounds, I'll take that. Desmond Bain, 9 points, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block, 2 rebounds. In only 16 minutes, I'll take that efficient as heck of shooting, 75%. So, not bad there by the bench. We know it's not a great bench, but it's solid, and it's just enough to kind of put them over for the win here. Now let's talk about the Bulls. Why are they not winning? What is going on here? Alrighty, so still their classic lineups. Thaddeus Young still at the three. Uh, so Thomas Sartonsky, only two points, two assists, couldn't really do anything big out here at the starting point guard position. Zach Levine went 21 points, nine assists, four rebounds, two of eight from three, not the greatest. Vucevic, 17 points, 10 rebounds, already three of seven from three. Thaddeus Young, 20 points, one assist, one rebound. He was a plus two on the floor, getting it done defensively as well, only playing 19 minutes. So I think that's the biggest thing, man. He's not playing starting minutes, but he is out there in the starting role I would put him back down to the bench man I don't think you're getting any better production with him in the starting lineup not playing him that many minutes just have him come off the bench and see what happens there but somebody would have to come up in the starting lineup is Daniel Tice ready to kind of be the starting four here for the squad potentially but we got to start seeing something else, man. I don't know. I don't like Thaddeus Young in the starting lineup, I don't think. It worked for a couple of games, but they're not winning consistently with him in the starting lineup. So that would be the one change I would make in the starting rotation. Once again, I could be the coach out here for any NBA organization. <laughs> All right, and then Patrick Williams at the three to round out the starters. Two points, three rebounds, one assist, one of three from the field. Just not taking a lot of shots out there. All right, off the bench, Daniel Tice, here he is, 18 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, not bad in 27 minutes um, off the bench, he was a minus 13 on the floor, so not great defensively like we know of Daniel Tice, Kobe White, that is the main reason why this team is not winning, they need Kobe White to be a absolute maniac off the bench, they need this man to step up, Kobe White, only 6 points on 25% shooting, need to be better, he honestly needs to be like a 15 plus point scorer off the bench on a nightly basis, and we're not even anywhere close to that. What is this man even averaging for a season totals? What do you even got for this man? Um, 14 points. Is he putting up 14 points a game? I'm not seeing that. It's not meaningful. These 14 points are not meaningful points. 14 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. But man, oh man, just not coming out to wins or just not consistently off the bench, man. Um, and I think he got those because he was a starter for most of the time out here. What can we do? Can we look at anything very quickly? I'll go quickly on this, quickly on this. Kobe White, career stats. I just want to see how many games he's been um, starting, actually. Um, all right, Kobe White, career stats. All right. Quickly, we're going over this, quickly. Uh, all righty. All right, yeah, 36 games as a starter, 16 points a game. 
four rebounds, five assists. That's where it all comes from. Coming off the bench, I mean, he's only putting up 10 points, two rebounds, and three assists a game. I mean, that's not getting it done. So, once again, we are kind of vindicated on that. Love it. All right, let's uh, keep moving on here to the next game up. The Pelicans in the Kings. The Pelicans get right, and they win another game without Lonzo Ball. Folks, I'm just saying it out here. I'm just throwing it out there. They won another game without Lonzo Ball. I don't know what you want from me. All right, so Eric Bledsoe, still in the starting point guard rotation, still not doing really anything truly great out here. Uh, 13 points, 5 assists, but look at this, 1 of 6 from 3, 27% overall from the field. Just once again, not efficient, classic Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Wes Wondu gets in the starting lineup in uh, at the uh, shooting guard position. 11 points, 7 rebounds on 75% shooting. Love that. Absolutely. Wes Wondu really stepping it up here. Love that. Steven Adams, 6.16 rebounds. Jeez, Louise. Zion Williamson, 30 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, 62% shooting. Great game. Uh, consistent out here. Brandon Ingram getting it back to where he was in the start of the season. At the start of the season, Brandon Ingram was almost unstoppable. Kind of started to get a little lackluster in the kind of solid middle of the season. But here he is, another great game. 34 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds on 3 of 8 from 3 and 61% overall. So, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, we all know the offense really should f flow through these two players. And I think with Lonzo Ball out on the court, they he kind of holds them back a little bit. Lonzo Ball should not be really the primary scorer on a team. I don't think it really translates to wins. Yes, we all know that, you know, he's kind of one of the better three-point shooters in this league, you know, according to stats-wise. I didn't really see it when we break it down every day, but... Lonzo Ball out here, um, I think he hurts the team a little bit more than he helps it, folks, and uh, the numbers prove it. I mean, Brandon Ingram, 34 points, Zion Williamson, 30 points. Winning games, winning games, being Julian Edelman out here. The Juli This is today, today's episode of the show is called Julian Edelman, the Julian Edelman show. Um, alrighty, off the bench, Jackson Hayes, 8.7 rebounds. Alright, not bad on 57% shooting, only playing 20 minutes. Love to see that. Great defensively as well, a plus 10 on the floor. Uh, James Johnson, no points, but he was a plus 15 on the floor in 15 minutes. Love to see that. And then Kiara Lewis Jr., 11 points, 3 assists off the bench as well. So, not overall bad from the bench. Starters, stars really got it done. So very well done to this Pelicans team. Now let's go to the Kings. Another loss here for them. Truly unfortunate, but not um, not surprising. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, 43 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. He tried it all, folks. Just unfortunately, uh, the overall team is a little lackluster defensively. Alrighty, Tyrese Halliburton, 12.6 assists. Raquan Holmes, no points, four rebounds in only 16 minutes. Maurice Harkless, 15 points, five assists, three rebounds. Harrison Barnes, 16 points, 11 rebounds. Pretty decent night by the starters of all kind of getting it done. Unfortunate that we see um, no Buddy Heald, unfortunately, not playing in this game. Off the bench, only had really one good uh, contributor out here. 12 points, 4 steals off the bench and only uh, 22 minutes off the bench. So just didn't have what the Pelicans had overall. Kings lose. That's it. Kings lose. No surprise there. 
Alrighty, Wizards beat the Jazz last night. Look at this. Look at this. Davis Burton's back in the uh, off the bench. Bradley Beal back in the starting lineup. So let's start here with the uh, with the Wizards. And once again, the Jazz losing. Man, not great. Why is that? Um, should not be losing games that they should be losing. That's. I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little worried about this Jazz team once they get into the playoffs. Kind of like last season, an early exit. You know, looking really good now they're the one seed here in the west still are they still the one seed i think they are i don't think they got passed up yet yeah still the one seed game and a half now uh closing in with the suns Alrighty here, so let's start here with the Wizards. Russell Westbrook, 25 points, 14 rebounds, 14 assists, only 3 turnovers. That's a win all day, yes sir. Uh, Bradley Beal, 34 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds on 2 of 5 from 3. Alex Len, 3 points, 5 rebounds. Rui Hachimura, 4 points, 6 rebounds. And then Denny Avidije, 0 points on 0 shots in only 9 minutes. So, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, obviously get it done. Nothing else great from the starters. Classic game. But let's go to this bench now. Davis Burton's back, baby. 10 points, 4 rebounds on 3 of 7 from 3. 42% overall from the field. Yes, sir. We'll take that. Daniel Gafford putting up 15 points, 4 rebounds. Uh, Ish Smith back, finally. 9 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Robin Lopez, 10 points off the bench, 2 rebounds as well. So, not bad here by this uh, bench team putting up... I mean, they had basically, basically, I'm putting Ish Smith in here with the 9 points, but 4 players all in double-digit points in very, very light minutes, like 17 or less minutes. Very, very good out here. So, well done by this Wizards team. The bench is able to kind of get it done. The Stars, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal get it done for the starters, and they're able to beat the Jazz. Really crazy. Alrighty, Donovan Mitchell, 42 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. He tried it, 4 of 11 from 3. Unfortunately, just unfortunately did not do enough or didn't have enough bench. <laughs> How crazy. Um, Joe Ingles, 18 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Rudy Gobert, 12 points, 12 rebounds. Royce O'Neal, only 2 points, but 12 rebounds. And then Bohan Bogdanovich, 33 points, 5 rebounds. So they got it done with their stars, their starters, but their bench, nothing good out here. Jordan Clarkson didn't play. Mike Connolly didn't play, so they're a little less deep. And because of that, they don't win the game. Their leading score off the bench with Derek Favors with only 6 points. So, unfortunately, there the Wizards had a little bit of a better bench and that's the reason for the four-point win so Wizards get it done 125 121 over the Jazz Alrighty, Warriors Nuggets. Truly unfortunate here by the Nuggets of losing this game, but let's quickly go over why the Warriors won. No Kelly Oubre Jr. No James Wiseman and Steph Curry goes for 53 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, 10 of 18 from 3. Really kind of the only reason why they won the game. Kent Bazemore steps in place of Bradley Beal or of... Um, Kelly Oubre Jr. and puts up 14 points, two assists, three rebounds on three of six shooting, 41 per overall percent from the field. I mean, that's kind of a solid Kelly Oubre Jr. game. So he steps up big. Kavon Looney, zero points but 11 rebounds. Draymond Green, 18 points, seven assists, seven rebounds. Andrew Wiggins, 17 points, two steals, one assist, one rebound. So overall, the starters got it done. Nothing great off the bench. Damian Lee, who is always kind of decently solid here off the bench, eight points. That's it. So, God is I'm I'm putting uh Steph Curry in our 
in our MVP race, folks, we've got to really kind of start talking about him bigly now. The only reason why we can't really kind of truly put him as kind of like the number one, you know, big pick here is because of, you know, their record. The record's a very, very lackluster. They're only the 10th seed here. So we are going to be looking at Steph Curry here in our MVP race. But even if he has the most points at the end of it, we really have to double check his record because we he has to at least finish the regular season at the seventh seed. He has to finish at the seventh seed if we kind of want to give them a chance of having Steph Curry be the MVP here because winning matters, folks. MVP is who is the best player in this league that is contributing most to the wins on their own team. So James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, it's tough to give them MVP because they've got a loaded roster. Um, Jokic, it's tough maybe a little bit because they do have kind of a little bit of a ro ro loaded roster. Steph Curry, though, he's literally got no real great help out here consistently. So that's why Steph Curry can really be the MVP, but a losing record, the 10th seed, I can't. I mean, you're not winning enough games at that point. Now, that, now you're not doing the winning aspect of what really an MVP should be doing out here. So... We're going to give Steph Curry. Um, he gets two points for the win. And honestly, um, his performance out here, 53 points, 55% from the three, a plus 16 on the floor, had four assists and six rebounds to go along with that. I'm giving him a five-point performance, our first five-point performance out here um, all season long. So Curry. He's going to get started here with five points and uh, just going to rival Joel Embiid and Jokic off the rip with uh, both of those tied at first with six points. So Curry, it, it, he is going to kind of have to win a lot more games out here to kind of get taken a little bit more seriously. But man, oh man, that is an MVP type of kind of statement game right here. And we got to start respecting him for it. All right, now the Nuggets. Here we go. Quickly go over them. We saw Jamal Murray go down at the end of the game. Truly, truly, truly unfortunate. But what he did before, 17 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Will Barton, 9 points, 2 assists. Joe Kick, 27 points, 8 assists, 12 rebounds. Aaron Gordon, he's struggling kind of you know offensively here. Uh, so we'll, uh, uh, his offensive production has truly kind of gone down a little bit here. So we'll see if that's kind of the main problem here. We'll see if any of these players, Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon, go down the go down to the bench. I don't think they ever will, but it's an interesting thing to kind of think of. And then Michael Porter Jr., 24 points, 9 rebounds, 1 of 7 from 3, unfortunately. Off the bench, Monte Morris puts up 10 points. Very well done. Uh, nothing truly else great. Facundo Capazzo puts up 6 points and 2 assists in 21 minutes. Expect to see a lot more Facundo Capazzo. He's going to have to kind of take control of this team. Now, this could end up being a little bit of a silver lining for Aaron Gordon with Jamal Murray going down. That Now, Jamal, now Aaron Gordon is going to have to kind of pick up the slack of some points that Jamal Murray brings in. So Aaron Gordon may be seeing a lot more kind of points here. Maybe move Michael Porter Jr. to the two, Aaron Gordon to the three, and then have Facundo Capazzo move uh, up to that starting rotation. So we'll see what happens here. Truly see what happens here. Alrighty, so Nuggets lose 116-107 over the Warriors. Not a good loss. Alright, let's quickly finish off this last game. Suns and the Rockets. Very competitive game, so I want to start here with the Rockets. Kevin Porter Jr. at the 1. 22 points, 14 assists. Absolutely magnificent game. John Wall at the 2. 13 points, 8 assists. Decent night by him. Christian Wood, 25 points, 15 rebounds. Love it. Kelly Olynyk still in the starting lineup. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 1-5 to five from 3. And Deshaun Tate, 10 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Off the bench, they got... Uh, 
Armani Brooks with the 14 points. Let's also shout out DJ Wilson with 8 points and 6 rebounds and Kenyon Martin with 9.7 assists. Or seven rebounds. All right, now the Suns, they ended up winning the game. Very well done. Uh, Chris Paul, nine points, 10 assists. Devin Booker, 24 points, seven assists, seven rebounds. DeAndre Ayton, 18 points, eight rebounds. Jay Crowder, 26 points, two assists, two rebounds. McCall Bridges, six points on, all, on seven shots. But then look at this bench, folks. Cameron Payne, 11 points, four assists. Dario Sarek, nine points, five rebounds. Torrey Craig, three points, five rebounds. And Cameron Johnson, 11 points, four assists off the bench. So good night off the bench for the Suns team. They end up getting the win. Let's quickly go over and reevaluate here for MVP and six man of the year. So here we go. Giannis, the Bucks did not play last night. We don't have to worry about him. Um, Harden, the Nets did not play last night, so we do don't have to worry about him. Joel Embiid did play last night, so let's go to his game quickly. All right, they get the win, so two points right there. Joel Embiid, 36 points, led the team in scoring, led the team in rebounds, led the team in three-point percentage, a plus eight overall, so we'll give him three points there. He goes up to nine points overall in our MVP race. All right, Damian Lillard in the Blazers did not play last night, so we don't have to worry about him. We already did Steph Curry, and Jokic did play last night. They lose, minus two right off the rip from him. And how did he play last night? 27 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. He was a minus 14 on the floor. Ugh, so I think we're just going to leave him at the minus two here. Decent overall game, but the poor defense and getting eaten up by Kavon Looney and... Uh, I don't know why he didn't have better success out there getting locked up by Kevon Looney all game. I don't get it. So we'll keep him at the minus two. So he goes down to my uh, four points overall. All right, now the sixth man of the year. Here we go. Montrez Harold. The Lakers did play and they lost. So minus two for Montrez Harold. And he had a real, real bad game out here. Only zero points and a minus 12 and only two rebounds. So we're going to give him minus two more points. So minus four overall. He drops down to four points. Jordan Clarkson did not play and the team loses. So he gets minus three for the not playing, but we're going to knock it up to only minus two because the team kind of got blown out a little bit against the Wizards, losing close against the Wizards. So um, we will move him down to uh, minus six points overall. Tim Hardaway Jr., he did play last night. They lose, so minus two points, and he did not play well. Nine points, three rebounds, two assists, so... Uh, not a great night by him. We'll leave him at minus two, so he drops down to three points. And then Thaddeus Young, he lost. He he played decent. Let's get to this uh, Bulls team. Where are they at? Got to open it up again. All right, Thaddeus Young here. 20 points, one rebound, one assist. He was a plus two on the floor, so we give him minus two for a loss. But overall, the 20 points plus two and a loss only starting player in plus point category. So I'm going to kind of add it as a wash. Add it as a wash. Zero points. So he stays at five. And now he is currently our front runner for six man of the year. Alrighty, let's move on to our NFL. Um, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing that today. Um, let's head over to our uh, moneymaker. We didn't do one live yesterday and we went one of one. So let's get that up on the show today. Alrighty, here we go. What's on tap today? We get Nets and the Timberwolves tipping off at 4 o'clock today, so about uh, two and a half hours out from right now. 
All right, then the primetime games on tonight. We get Clippers-Pacers. Should be a decent one. Let's see if the Pacers can finally start to beat like, some good teams consistently. So they are at 730 on TNT. Then we get Hawks, Raptors, Lakers, Hornets, Jazz, Thunder, Suns, Heat, and Blazers, Celtics, 10 o'clock on TNT. A must, must, must win game for this Blazers team. Are you hearing me, Blazers? A must win game. Do you understand me? Let's see if we get any good value with them. Probably not. But if the Blazers win, I, I'm ready to say that uh, I'm I'm truly off of them. But uh, let's uh, refresh the lines here. Let's see what we get for tonight's action here. So here we go. First game up, Nets, Timberwolves. Nets minus six, Timberwolves plus six. Interesting here. Let's see if Kyrie is good to go. So James Harden is out. LaMarcus Aldridge is out. Kyrie Irving is out. Tyler Johnson is out. For the Nets and for the Timberwolves, just Carl Anthony Towns is a game-time decision and Malik Beasley's out. Well, I don't like this Nets team without James Harden. I don't like this team without a true facilitator on the floor with Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I don't think Kevin Durant is going to be able to get it done. So Timberwolves plus six. I think they win outright, but we'll take the six as well just because that's what we do here. We always play the spreads. So Timberwolves plus six here. Love it. D'Angelo Russell, I'm kind of assuming that he finally gets into the starting rotation here. We've been seeing kind of getting more and more minutes off the bench. Last game, he had the same amount of minutes as Ricky Rubio. And now having Ricky Rubio facilitate the floor off the bench, they're going to be just as good as they were in their last game, which they won. So, love to see what kind of D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards can do all together. Ricky Rubio coming off the bench. This is a pretty decent Timberwolves team now. This isn't the Timberwolves team that's been the team the all season. Newly, Carl Anthony Towns, everybody healthy with D'Angelo Russell, and they're looking real good with them. So, Timberwolves plus six, absolutely love it. Alrighty, Clippers, Pacers, Clippers minus three, Pacers plus three. If Kawhi Leonard, everybody's gonna go here for the Clippers. We'll swallow the, the, the we will swallow the three. Patrick Beverly is still out. We all know that he's gonna be out for two to three weeks. Serge Ibaka's out. Kawhi Leonard out. So we gotta stay away from it. Uh, big old game here for the Pacers. Still, Miles Turner is out for them. So we'll see if Sabonis is still playing the five. But uh, we know Paul George has been pretty good out here by himself. But uh, we'll stay away from this one. Kawhi Leonard on the load management. All right, next game up, Hawks-Raptors. Hawks minus two, Raptors plus two. All righty. Um, interesting here. Um, in for the Hawks, we get Daniil Gallinari, game time decision. Tony Snell out, Chris Dunn out, John Collins out, Trey Young, game time decision, and Cam Reddish is out. For the Raptors, Kyle Lowry out, Fred Van Vliet is out, and Paul Watson is out. Now, that backup squad of the Raptors looked absolutely great the, you know, a couple of games ago, but then you know all the starters came back, they lose against the Knicks, and now some of the starters are back out. This Hawks team on a two-game winning streak, like what this Hawks team is doing, think they're still streaking. We get Clint Capella, we get Trey Young, we get Lou Williams off the bench. That's what we love about this team. Hawks minus two, we'll take it. All right, Lakers, Hornets, Lakers minus one, Hornets plus one. Out for the Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Alfonso McKinley out. And then for the Hornets, Terry Rozier, game time decision, P.J. Washington is out. So P.J. Washington doesn't, hasn't really done anything great for this team. He hasn't really been stepping it up with all those three great players, Gordon Hayward, Lonzo Ball, Malik Monk, all out. Um, so I will be rooting for this Hornets team, but we won't take them here. Lakers, uh, tough loss last night. So we'll see if they kind of come out with revengeance tonight. 
All right, Thunder plus 17 and a half. Jazz minus 17 and a half. Holy moly. Uh, let's see if everybody's going to go for this Thunder team. Uh, Mike Muscala is out. Shea Gills Alexander is still out. Aleska Pukosevsky is still out. Damn him. Um, or is out. I think he played last game. Um, and then for the Jazz, just Jordan Clarkson is a game-time decision. Mike Connolly is a game-time decision. We'll stay away from this one. Way too many points to eat, and the Jazz just lost last night. So, not the greatest. All right, then we get this Heat and the Suns. Heat plus three. Suns minus three. Alrighty, out for the Heat. Victor Oladipo, which we know about. And then KZ Okpala is still out. And then for the Suns, just Abdel Nader is out. So this is a big game for the Heat here. A statement game of what they can do. Uh, tough opponent for the Suns. Suns in a back-to-back, -back, so we'll stay away from it. But it's going to be a great one to watch. Really kind of wish this was the game on TV tonight. Um... But we get a good game as well. So here we go. Celtics and the Blazers. Celtics plus one. Blazers minus one. A must-win game for the Blazers. They've dropped way too many here over the last, like, six games. Very, very not great here. They need to start beating some of the better teams. And the Celtics team isn't anything great. But they are, you know, a decent emerging team out here. So um, got to win this game. Got to. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. If the Blazers lose, I've lost all hope on this Blazers team. So Evan Forney is a game time decision. So expect him to probably play because he's been kind of listed as out um, ever, you know, in the past couple of games where he's been out because of the COVID-19. So game time decision for Evan Fournier, which would be great for the Celtics. And then for the Blazers, everybody's good to go uh, except for Zach Collins, which we all know. So a real a real great game here. I'm going to give the Blazers one last chance to impress us. We love this Blazers team. We love Damian Lillard. They need to start beating some of these better teams out here. Blazers minus one. We're taking the faith of this Blazers team. We're betting the Blazers minus one. Let's see what they can do because if not, then we're going to start buying the Celtics team a lot more because Jason Tatum has really been getting it done these last couple of games. Um, probably for the, like the last week and a half, two weeks, he's been single-handedly winning even with Evan Fournier out. Evan Fournier hasn't played the last couple of games, and they're on a three-game winning streak. So I will start respecting this Celtics team a lot more if they win tonight, and we will still we will start fading the Blazers a lot more if they lose tonight. So this is what we got going on for our moneymaker. Timberwolves plus six, Hawks minus two, Blazers minus one. Feeling good. All righty. That is going to do it for us today. We'll look at uh, Khalil Herbert tomorrow on the show. Uh, so before we go, let's see if anything is breaking as we were live. Mark Cuban says the current playing tournament, quote, was an enormous mistake in hindsight, partly due to the season's compressed schedule. Meh, meh. He's on the verge of not getting it, so that's why he's a little... I think it's going to be great. I think it's fine. Um... Um, yeah, nothing else. Alrighty. So that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, we'll see, uh, we will see you tomorrow. We will see you tomorrow. We will do that. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> Alrighty, folks. We're out of here. See you tomorrow. <laughs>